by popular demand, Paul and Sean are back for another 99th episode. Yeah, so uh, you you might be best off just writing. Awesome. Like, <laughs> song, but. Um, but yeah. So, anyways, I I, brought, I bring that up because you, you mentioned a Fire Stick. What, so, what do you use for streaming? I use my Xbox. Okay, so you use your Xbox. Mm-hmm. So, I just bought us something new because we were using a Fire Stick, and let me tell you, I hate Fire Sticks because they're slow. Disney Plus, for example. You pause what you're watching, the video stops, the sound takes a good, like, 10 or 15 seconds to stop. Oh, really? And then when you play it again, it suddenly, like, does that, I'm speeding through the video thing to catch up with the sound. Whoa, weird. So, okay, yeah, it just, like, it doesn't work super well. Yeah. It also does the thing where when you watch something on Prime, it, like, it throws everything you watch up on the home screen of the Fire Stick, you know? Hmm. Which is is really annoying, you know, it, and it, it takes time for that stuff to load, too. So, like, it just really not not a big fan after using one for quite a while. And I think it's gotten worse, to be honest. So I've been debating, and you try to, you know, like, Google and find articles and compare. Okay, what's the difference between the different levels of devices for the Amazon Fire streaming things and then the Roku things? I swear you cannot find anything that tells you anything about how they actually function. Hmm. Like, it's it's just like, this one does 4K. Okay, but is it fast or is it, like, slow and crappy like the rest of them, you know? So I finally, like, dug a little bit more and still couldn't get a clear answer to what I was trying to figure out. But I decided to take a shot. And I got the Roku Ultra, which it, uh, Ethernet, which I don't have my internet by where our TV is, so, like, I still can't do that. So that's um, super but handy. you can't. Yeah. Like, so if, if you want, like, you know, the fastest, if you don't want it to be interrupted by, uh, you know, by having to go through Wi-Fi, you can do that. But even with that, it has a longer range. And so I, I've just said, screw it. I got it. You know, tax return. We can afford to splurge a little bit. My, like, my wife and I both watch TV, but she's the one that, like, every night she wants to watch TV. She's also the one that, like, has no patience when stuff doesn't work. (laughs) So Um. when it's being slow or something, like, she gets pissed. So I said, okay, you know, this will be good. This will be worth it. So I I got it, hooked it up yesterday. It's definitely so much faster. And the interface is just, it just works better. I'm very happy about it. Cool. Yeah, the only thing that I had to go through using my Xbox, because... That was a change from what my wife had set up when uh, when I moved into our house. And so I just had to teach her how to use an Xbox controller to control Netflix and uh, HBO and uh, all the other ones, whatever all we have, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus. So that was uh, the one little bit of a hurdle. But I like it because I have my Xbox hardwired. Like I set up our internet, so I have a hardline um, internet access to my Xbox in case I ever want to play online gaming. Like there's, it's just really, really fast that way. So yeah. uh, we've got pretty darn good streaming out there that's that's really nice and fast through my xbox and it does a good job i've never had any weird the only thing that sometimes we get is it will it will uh we'll get like the really lo-fi version of a show for the first like 10 or 15 seconds while it's still kind of like loading and catching up Um, but that's the only thing 
Yeah, I so the, when I got the like my first like uh, streaming device, it was a uh, years ago now. It was a Roku. And it was actually because I had um, PlayStation Three and it died. So I figured, you know, we had used up my PlayStation Three for streaming before that. But I figured I don't want to keep on putting that that burden on the expensive video game system to stream stuff where we're using it constantly and kind of risk wearing it out like that. I do use my PlayStation some, but I also my TV in my office is a Roku TV, so it has Roku built in. Kind of depends. Like if if I want to watch something where I want to be able to put headphones on and listen really well, I got um, you know gaming headphones from my mom for Christmas uh, that are are wireless, so I could do that and actually be able to to hear. So that's pretty cool. Because one of the things I hated is um, you know with PlayStation you plug the headset into the controller, so you have to like hold the controller the whole time if you're watching something mm. and trying to use mm-hmm. headphones. But the sound quality was also crap, and you can't you can't adjust the volume, so it just it was uh, yeah. I'm much happier having a headset, but I've got a gaming headset anyways. that's well. It, it's it's weird because I got it for the Xbox 360, so it only kind of works for the um, the Xbox One. But it was like one of those super duper 7.1 surround sound headsets where you know it's i got it because i was playing like call of duty and stuff like that so it lets you hear like you can hear sounds from behind you the way it's set up like it can simulate sounds coming from behind you to your side to your front uh, above you so um that's what i was looking for at the time and it's pretty good so do you find it annoying how Xbox names their systems? No, I don't care, right? <laughs> it's, it's. I mean, it's a little like, wait, which one do I want? I, okay, so I want the Xbox One, not the X, I want the Series X. Uh, okay, I, I give, yeah. It, it's, it, it's, you know, I, I think it's an, I'm just kind of like, okay, whatever, who cares? You know, I don't care what it's called. Once I have it, like, it's something I have to think about every seven years or something like that. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really not too much of a mental toll, right? My son has lots of questions about video games. He, he likes to know everything. Like, he'll ask the most just inane, boring questions about stuff sometimes. So, you know, he asked, Sounds like a child. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Typical child. <laughs> he, you know, he, he wanted to know if I had an Xbox. I did have an Xbox before, and... He's like, which one? And I was like, the first one. But, I mean, like, it was Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox One. I don't even know what the new one's called because I just don't care. But I, it's, it's really funny to me. Like, PlayStation's simple. And, like, he gets, he's like, PlayStation's made five systems. PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2. And, oh, look at that. That makes sense. Like, I know which PlayStation is in which order now. So I'm trying to think back to, like, okay, which system did this game come out for? I'm not like, okay, was it... The, the 360 or the 1, and the 1 came after the 360, because that's logically how you go with numbers, is from mm-hmm. Xbox to Xbox 360 to Xbox One. But isn't the, the first Xbox the Xbox One, if you're like, I don't know, it's dumb. No, that's just What the Xbox. hell, Microsoft? The first PlayStation wasn't, wasn't called the PlayStation 1 when it came out, but now you call it the PlayStation 1 to, like, delineate you're talking about the first one. So, like, if I just, if I was talking about Xbox and I said on the Xbox, you would say, which one? Uh, and, you, and, and then I would have to say on the first yeah, one. Yeah, you would say the first box first, rather than Xbox <laughs> One. <laughs> it's the same number of syllables. <laughs> yeah, it's dumb. This sounds like a first world problem to me. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I can't accurately explain which Xbox. <laughs> 
because I, I haven't had an Xbox system since the first one, and this is probably exactly why. This is why. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> rebels against awkward naming. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I can learn how to say quinoa. I cannot learn how to tell you which Xbox comes in what order. Nah. <laughs> All right. Well, Paul, it seems we've both been enjoying some uh, random things lately. That's our lives. So this might be a bit of a smorgasbord episode. Yes, it might be. Yes. All right. Well, so you texted me yesterday and said, what are we going to talk about? And I threw out several ideas, and then you added one. Mm-hmm. So how is Tomie? You finally got that and started reading it, you told me. Yeah, I've had it for a little while, but I, I finally started reading it. Okay. I've been in this weird, like, stall with reading anything, and I finally got going again. Um, I also read through um, House of X, Powers of Ten. Um, finish that up. I, I ordered the book and it was really nice reading a physical copy of it. Like that's, that's one time where it definitely made a, a bigger difference. I thought, um, but then after that, I was like, okay, I got, I got to get on to other stuff. And I realized that I've kind of just, I haven't touched manga in quite a while. And I have a lot of stuff that I had accumulated to read that I'm really excited about. Um, and I just, I kind of stalled on everything. I stalled on that. I stalled on reading, uh, the sixth gun. I finally picked up the one I was in the middle of and finished that volume. Yeah, Tomie, I'm like, I'm maybe a third of the way through it, and it's good. Obviously, it's strange. And I think I like Uzumaki better so far. Like, they're both mm, strange okay. and good, but, like, Uzumaki was really weird and kept on building on that. And Tomie, I mean, like, Tomie is definitely, like, building some, but it also kind of feels like the same thing over and over in different ways. Like, she finds another boy to ruin, you know, and... Yeah, it is it's much more of a just kind of riffing on this theme because it's Tomie the character is really the central plot device of every um not episode but every chapter. And so it is really things kind of play out differently. It's more of like how does her nature inf- influence who this person is like, Oh, this person is an artist. So it impacts them this way. Oh, this person's a doctor. And so this is how she, uh, corrupts and influences him. Yeah. And I guess where I'm at so far, it's mostly been in like kind of in the, uh, the high school realm, you know, uh, the first story is like her, mm, okay. her teachers involved. So like other than that, it's just like other high school kids. Um, and then she's in a different to a house and has to like stay till the storm passed. Do you remember that one? Ooh, no, no, not really. Yeah, so she she goes she goes to this house and uh and it's it's pouring out and she asks if she can come in to, you know, cuz she got caught out in the storm. And then she goes and find well it, this was still linking back to the one before. She goes and finds the the girl that was like the photographer girl and is like you have to come with me. She takes her to that house after like uh you know, manipulating her. And it turns out that her and one of the boys that she was controlling, like, went and took over this house, and they locked the old man in in the, like, basement or whatever, and the man's daughter, who let her in, like, they turned her into a monster. That was a weird one. Like, so that one kind of broke the uh, the norm that had mm-hmm. kind of been set of just, like, over and over, she, she, you know, makes 
makes the boys want her and then they go crazy and do whatever she wants and she ruins some girl's life. Like that was kind of like the rep- repetitive, you know, okay, we're doing this again and again. And that story was a little bit different uh, and was kind of more interesting. And now I, the one I'm on right now is I, I think one right after that where she's like inexplicably naked in like frozen snow covered mountains. And there's like a group of, ah, uh, like, yeah. Know, like, uh-huh. like, mountain climbers that run into her yeah so I, i'm on that one and like the first guy falls off the cliff and then th- she makes the second guy he like finally keels over and dies and, yeah, and he's like here you go i'll be i'll be naked in this snowstorm it's cool so now yeah. she's in the cabin with the third guy who's the one that seems like to not be manipulated by her you know whatever her powers are and that's where i'm at i haven't finished the story yet but so it, at least it's something different, but I, it also kind of, like, is feeling a little too repetitive, so it's, it's not driving me. Like, Uzumaki is like, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Because it kept on building on it. Like, something crazy would happen, but it kept on layering on mm-hmm. more and more. And Tomie, it it's not quite doing the same thing. You know, like, it really feels like a bunch of short stories kind of mashed together rather than... Yeah, it definitely is. Like each one is very much just kind of a, a standalone, separate riff on this Tomie character and the way that she influences people. Yeah. What I was thinking about because you mentioned you were reading it, and one of the things that I was thinking about is really horrific about it is that it weaponizes this idea of infatuation and a crush. When if you think back to I especially think like back when I was in school, like middle school, high school, you just kind of sometimes randomly have an infatuation with a person, even though you may not necessarily know them too much. You just kind of like develop a crush or infatuation and and like uh, just because because you're a a hormone fueled teenager, (laughs) I guess. And um this uh the tomie stories kind of are a a weaponized version of that like it it really plays on that phenomenon and really it draws its horror from from that and i think that that's pretty interesting yeah all right well it sounds like you still have a lot to go in tomie <laughs> <laughs> yeah i got a lot to read i you know one of the things i'm trying it's like there's elements that i like in the stories but overall like it hasn't quite sucked me in yet um the the story with where she's in the, like her second school in the book. And there's the girl who's the photographer and she takes a bunch of pictures of her. And, you know, Tomie is just like posing for them. Basically she's trying to get her caught for what she's doing, Mm -hmm. which she does. But then all those pictures, when they get developed, like show the monster in Tomie. Yeah. But she didn't know that was going to be there. Like she was upset when she saw the pictures. I th- like that I thought was one of the most interesting parts so far because like one, it's interesting, of course, that the pictures showed this like monstrosity that wasn't there to the naked eye. Um, but Tomie didn't know it was going to be like that. So like that's one of those where it's like, does Tomie really know what she is? You know? Yeah, and that's a really good question. It, it It's not always clear how much she knows exactly what she is versus is she just kind of like this force of nature, which just goes along, or is she more diabolical? And I think that that's kind of an open question that you can have as you go through the reading, because there, I think sometimes there's clues a, about it either way. 
it seems like mainly he just uses this idea of Tomie to riff on different ideas. It's kind of just like a um, a structure to use to tell different kinds of stories. And that's really what, what it seems like to me. It's more of just a whole bunch of short stories that are all just riffs on this idea. So I'm actually kind of excited to hear you don't seem to be as into it because it, Tomie was the first Junji Ito that I read. And I was like, oh, man, this is pretty good. And so if, like, this isn't very good compared to, say, Uzumaki, it makes me think that Uzumaki is going to be great. Yeah, and it was like I'm I'm looking it up while we're talking too. It was his his first published work, and it was submitted monthly. Yeah, which you know I think that that's really obvious uh, when you read it. Um, but it was his first work, you know. So I mean, it makes sense. It's his first work, kind of developing style and you know developing himself. So it's it's good. It's interesting to read, but um, I like I think Uzumaki was a lot more interesting because like Uzumaki, like you were so compelled to see what happened next. Cause it kept on like growing on, on what was before you, you know, Tomie, it's kind of like, okay, what's the next horror story I'm going to read. It's really easy to get to the end. I want to be like, I don't feel like more, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing really compelling. you like, Oh, what's going to happen next? You know, what's going to happen to these people now? Cause it's just going to be something different, you yeah, know? Gotcha. And I've read a little bit of his short stories. There was the one that you talked about in, um, uh, what was the name of the story? The, the, the Holes in the Mountain? Something about Amigara Fault. The yeah. Curse of Amigara Fault or something. I, yeah, I forget. always forget the name exactly. Yeah, I read the, like, I've only read that one story in that book, and I have a few of his other books of short stories. Uh, I was able to pick a couple up uh, at a really good price. So I have a, f- a few more books to read. I'm interested in starting to read more of his short stories because uh, it seems kind of like more of what he does. And I think getting those short stories where it's not just like the the same device over and over like Tomie is doing. It's a bunch of short stories, but it's the same storytelling devices. It uh, should be interesting. So anyways, and I sent you a picture of the newest one that just came out that looks really interesting. Oh yeah, something about like a red sun or something. It's or, like I think it's called Retina, and it's oh, a, yeah. a like about a planet that I don't know exactly. Like I've only kind of glanced at it. It just like it looks really cool, and yeah, so I, I'm excited about that one. We'll talk about that one when we actually read it. <laughs> I'll probably get it eventually. It'll Evil. go good. It'll look good on the shelf next to Venus in the Blind Spot. You love those good sh- looking shelf books. I do. I'm. <sighs> Yeah, I like the shelf. I like good shelf. <laughs> Nothing pleases me more than a, a very nice looking shelf. Well, that's not true. There's a lot of things that please me <laughs> as much as that. <laughs> I, I need to be realistic. Like that, that is not the best thing in the world. Nothing but is it, better than just a bunch of books in a row on a bookshelf, man. It's pretty good though. It's pretty good. <laughs> I, I'll say that it does. It pleases me more than a lot of things. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that's just satisfying. Yeah. Just, you know, when I get all my wood stacked for winter, and I, mm. a nice stack of wood, you're like, that's not going to fall over. I don't care how windy it is. Oh, yeah. That's going to keep me warm for like two days once the world freezes over <laughs> due to <laughs> global climate shift and the Arctic whatever polar freeze coming down and swathing L.A. Yeah. Well, see, I was smart. I moved to where it was really cold, so it's, it's getting nicer here as time goes on. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it works it's like the nicer it is 
the worse it gets, and the worse it is, the better it gets. Yeah, is it's that, all shifting. I mean, Texas right. has yeah. had worse weather than we've had. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, good theory. <laughs> Let's hope it lasts. <laughs> Let's hope it lasts. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Tomie, Tomie, interesting. Talking about things that hook you, that you just don't want to stop. The other thing that I, I checked out recently, uh, we've talked about video games. I've had trouble settling into a video game for a while. Like, I, I have all these games I bought on, like, digital sales and stuff. I was trying to play The Witcher 3 for a while, and I just, like, I pushed for a while, and just, like, it wasn't enticing me. It wasn't like, oh, man, I can't wait till I could play again, you know? And right before I went on vacation, this is a couple weeks ago now, that um, one of the people that I work with told me about their favorite game. He's talked about this game before, but it just kind of, like, went in one ear and out the other. But he told me about it again. I was like, yeah, you know, now I go on vacation, I have time to think about it. So I started trying to look at it. It's called Near Automata. The first thing is, like, I can't find it in a store anywhere. Like, you can buy it online, no problem, of course. But, like, it's not in a store anywhere. It's not a brand new game, so it kind of makes sense. And it's not one of those games that's, like, evergreen that just stays out there for sale forever. It originally came out in 2017. Well, here, I guess I should say, because it might have had a different release date in Japan. But here it came out in 2017. And I was able to get the Game of the Year edition uh, on Amazon for only $26. So I went ahead and got it. And I played through the whole first playthrough of that game in a week. Which is, like, I, I never played through a game that quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a, a really fast, like, I just, like, I was addicted to it. I kept on wanting to see what happened next. It was really, really enticing like that. So the, the basic story of the game is robots go to Earth... Or, like, aliens go to Earth, and I, I don't exactly get how the aliens and robots sign together. So, like, they're... I guess I don't get the whole story quite yet, but they take over the Earth, humans flee to the moon, humans try to fight back using androids. So, you're an android, the android you control through the first playthrough of the game is named Tubi, and you work with another android who um, is, like, the support android. So, like, he fights alongside you, but he's also there to kind of, like, keep you in shape, hmm. you know, mechanically and whatever. Okay. And he is 9S. And so, like, the, the beginning of the game, like, you go fight this giant robot monster. And then after that, you kind of get to go into the world. And you're just you're working through like you meet robots that are off the grid that are normal and not just murderous machines and you start to realize that there's more robots than what you've been taught before but you're also an android so you're just a fancy robot right like androids are just like robots that are human-like right yeah okay a fancy robot that's a funny way for to describe an android i mean it's basically what it is like an android is well, yeah. a, still a machine and it makes sense. You, you think about, like, the most well-known android of all time is C-3PO. And he's definitely just a fancy robot. Yeah. And uh, what about uh, Star Trek? It's da- uh, Data, right? Or, Data, yes. Yeah. And he wants to be human, but he's not, right? Like, he's he's still artificial intelligence, right? He's the Pinocchioist of all the robots. Exactly. But yeah, so it's, it's an interesting story. You So, like I said, there's multiple playthroughs, and each playthrough you play as a different character. So it's not like, you know, some games you play through it, and then you can do, like, the, the plus edition of the game, and you, like, you play the same game again, but, like, maybe the enemies are a little bit harder, or you get to keep all the weapons you got or whatever. The Master Quest version of the game. Yeah, so, like, with this one, the second time you play through, you play through as 9S. 
and I haven't started playing this yet. I just finished the first playthrough, and this is the first time I've ever wanted to start playing a game again immediately. So is it like a totally different game when you start it through? You're going through the same story, but like the second time you're playing as 9S, who is with 2B through the whole game except for a small part of it. The beginning, there's a little bit of, of gameplay before you two meet up, and then there's a part in the game when 9S gets um, gets captured and like almost killed, and then okay. he has to go and get like repaired and recovered, so he's away from you for a little bit. What I've been told is the the way the gameplay is different is when you're fighting as 2B, who is a like a battle android, she has two weapons, and like so one of the you know one of the attack buttons uses one weapon, and one of the attack buttons uses the other one, and one's like a strong attack, one's a quick attack, you know. Uh, when you play through his 9S, one of those is to use his hacking skills so you can, like, hack the machines you're fighting against. And then when you do hacking, you do these, like, hacking mini-games. So it's, um, like, it makes the dynamic of how you play very different. And that's one of the things that's really interesting about this game is how the dynamic of gameplay changes. Um, and, like, fluidly and quickly sometimes. It's basically uh, a hack-and-slash type of game. You're running around, you know just trying to obliterate some robots. But there are times where it goes from being like 3D movement to it seamlessly transitions into 2D. And then there are times that like even when playing as uh as 2B in the the first playthrough, there's times where these like hacking mini games pop up. But it's just like the story's really interesting. Like the the characters for having such, you know, wonderful enticing names like 9B and 2S and 2B and stuff like that. There's a lot of, of interesting dynamics to the characters. The leader of the robots that you meet that are like the robots that are off the grid, so they're more like humanistic robots, um, and they're not just out to cause mayhem and kill people, is uh, is named Pascal. And it like you, you see these like emotional things in the robots. Like you do some side quests like a, a robot big sister can't find her little sister. Her little, her little sister ran off to try to get something to help her repair herself. And so you go and help her find them. There's a, a, a robot mom and a robot son that have a fight, and the robot son runs off, and the robot mom is scared because um, she can't go find her son, and she's worried about him. And you go find the son and and help bring him back. And it's a good game, and like a lot of good story to it, a lot of really interesting things. One of the most, like, just kind of breathtaking parts in it, like, you're going through these these different, like, parts of the world, and you come on this one part that is a theme park. You know how Disneyland, like, you go in, and there's the castle, and, you know, not every time you walk in, obviously, but, like, the castle and the fireworks over the castle, and, like, there, there are these certain, like, really dynamic images that are just, like, really breathtaking, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you go into this this theme park area that, like, you're not like I wasn't expecting to find it at all. Like I, I knew nothing about this game. I didn't like you know look up a bunch of stuff and spoil everything. So like I I find this area and I go and I'm like holy crap, this is amazing. And there's these robots all over that. At that point, I hadn't met any good robots. So I'm like every robot is something that's going to try to kill me. But I go in and these robots are throwing confetti and and there's balloons and they're dancing around. And I'm like I don't know if I should start killing these robots or just like go through them. Huh. So I don't kill them. I just start, you know, passing them. And these robots aren't attacking me at all. Interesting. And it just, that whole part was very breathtaking. So you're working your way through this, through this theme park. It's just like beautiful. 
and you're working your way through whatever the story is, and you get to this room that's like this kind of opera house looking room, and this giant opera singing robot that wants to kill you is adorned with dead androids. Dead androids all over the place. Like, I was playing the game, my son was watching me some, and it's a maturated game, but it's like one of those where some parts of it are totally fine, and then some parts not so Mm -hmm. much. But you can tell kind of what's coming. So, like, I see the dead androids, and even though they're androids, they just look like dead people. So, I like, I tell them, okay, no, you gotta go. Like, you can't watch this. Because I don't know how creepy it's gonna get. It is pretty creepy. Especially when all the uh, androids that were, like, on crosses started popping up whoa okay that's pretty that's pretty creepy it pretty quickly goes from like this is like beautiful and amazing and serene and breathtaking to this is intensely creepy and this giant robot that is like adorning themselves with dead androids wants to kill me and you have to fight this giant monster boss yeah so it's a it's a really awesome game the dynamic with all that stuff and it's like it's so interesting that like one like I said I, I want to play through the second and then the third playthrough is a character that like you've brushed up against in the game but you you know like the third playthrough is going to be something more unfamiliar. Cool. I started looking around. They have like a lot of games. They have um, world books that are essentially like art books slash strategy guides. Like I don't know if you notice this with a lot of video games now, but instead of having just a straight up strategy guide, it's like kind of combining all this stuff and selling you this more expensive book rather than just being a straightforward like here's how you do this yeah, no i i never buy those so i don't know yeah. if, if i ever have a question about a video game i just google how do i beat the boss that runs around in circles <laughs> or something like that yeah exactly that's what everybody does now so like instead of making like you know strategy guides when we were younger we're literally like you find this here you find this there you fight this this way and they can't really sell those the same way anymore yeah. because you can look up online how to do all that stuff. So, like, strategy guides now are never exactly strategy guides. They're like, here's art, here's story. Okay, here's how you do some stuff. Here's some, you know, like, all, like, uh, the encyclopedia of all the different weapons or characters or stuff like that. So it, it can add to the, the, the depth of your knowledge of the game, but it's not just that straight up, like, you know, Tomb Raider, you jump here to here to get through this level, and then you get, you know... Yeah, I get it, yeah. So, like, I was tempted by the the world book, but they're not cheap either. Like, cover price for them is $40, and Ooh. they had the first one at Bull Moose for $30, but still, that's pretty steep when I paid $26 for the game. It's like, I don't know, I don't know. I'm looking, I'm looking on Amazon, and they had some, like, some books, like, not just game peripheral books, but, like, some actual books... I thought they were manga uh, at first, but then I, I went ahead and ordered them. And they're actually novels. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I, I got two novels. Uh, one is called Long Story Short. One's called Short Story Long. Haven't read the, them yet, obviously. I just got them. Uh, but just looking at the cover, one is written from the perspective of 2B and 9S, which is the first two playthroughs. And they're the you know the good guys sent by the humans to, to Earth to you know kill all the robots. And then the other book looks like it's more from the perspective of, I think the character's name is 2S, and it's like a rogue android that stopped following orders. And in the first playthrough, you see her a couple of times, you fight against her, uh, but it's one of those battles where nobody gets killed. You you know, you know beat the, the boss, but then the boss isn't dead and is like, 
all right, I'm out of here. See you later. Okay. Uh-huh. But yeah, so like, I, I don't know exactly what these books are, uh, but I'm looking forward to reading them, but it ties the story together and they have a new game coming out in April. That is a, a remake of one of the older games that was released only in Japan before. And it's a prequel to this one. So is this like a series of games then? Is that what you're finding out? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and I, I don't quite get how all the pieces fit together, but there, there is a game that was released here before that takes place before this one and is from the perspective of a father. The one they're, they're remaking and releasing in April was only ever released in Japan, and that is related to that other game, but it's from the perspective of the son, if, uh, if I understand everything correctly. So this series of games is a lot of telling stories from different perspectives, even though it's the same story. That's cool. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it's the layers of everything is cool. Um, some of the ways that you develop and build up in the game are interesting. Use microchips to give yourself more abilities. You can fuse microchips together to get stronger versions of the same ability. And how you do that also has an impact on how many of these chips you can have, um, you know, active. So, like, each chip takes up a certain amount of memory. So, a chip that, like, increases your HP can, like, two chips with the same functionality, one of them can take, like, four spots of memory and one can take eight spots of memory. Hmm. So, you want to find the ones that require less memory and then fuse those together to get higher powered ones that take less memory. So, that way you can, you know, increase, like, how many different things you can kind of have functioning at the same time. Okay. Cool. Some of the things that I set up with my character that that I liked that made um, you know made my character like the best for my style of play is uh, a power where when I wasn't being attacked for a certain amount of time, my HP would start to replenish on its own, like at a slow rate. So, like in a big battle, I could dodge long enough to let my health regenerate, oh, uh-huh. and just like as long as I avoided being hit, yeah. I could keep dodging. And there's another one that uh, allows you to automatically use a recovery item when you're going to die. So if I'm in a battle and my health gets knocked down too low, instead of actually dying and losing and having to start over, it'll automatically use one of my recovery items for me. Oh, cool. So mm-hmm. that way, I do, as long as I have a bunch of the, those recovery items in my inventory, like I don't have to worry about dying. So like, once I kind of got all those in place, I didn't really die um, until I did the last fight of this first playthrough of the game, there's a point where you, like some of your systems get knocked out. So... You can't, like, none of your chips or anything work. So, like, all those things go away, basically. And the first time this happened, I, I quickly died because I didn't know what the hell was going on. Mm-hmm. Once I figured it out, I was able to realize, like, I just needed to completely avoid being hit or I screwed. And then I got through it. But anyways, lots of uh, interesting levels to that. Uh, kind of same thing with the weapons. You can improve them as you go. You can find, you know, better weapons. Really fun game. Cool. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds like a really fun game. It, parts of it sound really similar to Cyberpunk 2077. Like you mentioned, the hacking thing, that's a big part of that game. Like getting items and, and trying to find better items that fit less slots and stuff like that. That seems very similar to that. I've had a hard time getting into any video games recently also. I just, I guess, just haven't been in the right headspace for it. Like, I've, I talked a lot about Cyberpunk 2077, but I just kind of have stalled out and just haven't really been playing it much. Just something about playing video games right now just isn't as appealing. I think part of it is that there's a lot of other stuff that I am really interested in. 
that I'm doing with my free time. And so it's when I think about, well, I could sit down and play this video game or I could sit down and keep reading this book that I'm really enjoying right now. The book ends up winning out. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I go through, too. And then sometimes like you get to points where it's like you want to do something and just don't even know. So you can't really get started on anything. That's kind of how I had been for a little bit. And you know, I had a vacation recently and I was like, oh, I want to do this and that. And I ended up like I hardly did any of the things that I wanted to do. But like I did, like instead of doing one of the things I had planned, I, was, I got this new game and ended up sticking with it and going through all of it. So it felt good to like be focused on something for the first time in a bit. Cool. So I've been watching this WandaVision show. I've heard of that. Yeah. And by the time that people listen to this, the show's going to be over. And I, I know that you haven't watched it, so I, I'm not. I don't really want to talk about the the contents of the show because I assume that you will watch it eventually at some point, and I don't want to yeah. to spoil just kind of the what what the show is because it is a pretty interesting premise, and it is kind of uh, fun to see it evolve and reveal itself to the to the viewer like i had a really good time watching the show go from being what it starts out as to what it is now so it's a it's a fun progression because the show is more than it seems at first which is pretty cool but what's interesting about the show and and what i want to mention is that the show actually i don't think as a standalone show is very good it's because the show relies so much on the viewer knowing and caring about these characters from other movies. And, and this is really weird, like to really understand who these characters are and why we care about them and what's going on with them right now. You have to have at least watched Avengers two and the um, infinity war. Uh, Avengers movies like without those two movies like what's going on in this show and and probably Endgame as well like you need those three movies like the background and the context of those movies to understand who these characters are and what's going on with them the show actually just kind of assumes you know and like these characters and assumes you've watched those movies and follows up from it and in this way the show is the most comic book like show I've ever uh, seen because I think a lot of comic books are like that where there'll be some like big event, say like civil war or uh, you know, uh, house of uh, house of M or something like that. And then there'll be a bunch of mini series that come after it that kind of show what these characters are doing now when they like pick up the pieces of what happened in the big event. Like I'm thinking about all the, do you remember the decimation uh, stories from right after house of M? I, I've read house of M. I don't know if I read like uh, many of the follow-up stories because it was all reading and trade. Oh, okay. So like right when house of M finished up, it like it famously finished up with the no more mutants Wanda, like making yeah. most of the mutants disappear. So there was this kind of decimation was the, uh, I guess, like the banner that was put on a bunch of books that followed up on the stories as a result of that. And a lot of them would just be like the 
direct follow-ups to that. So if you hadn't really watched or seen House of M, I don't think that the story itself would be that good or interesting because it's not really written to be a compelling standalone story. It's meant to be a story that fits within the context of what came before. I think television has always been about standing alone on its own and not fitting into any context because the idea is like, well, you want a viewer to just be able to hop in and watch it and understand what's going on and not have to know, oh, well, I've seen this movie, so I know who this character is, and I saw this other movie, so I know what happened to this other character in that. So that then makes what's going on in this show really interesting because obviously this seems different than that. So what's going on? Like there's some mystery going on, you know, like that sort of thing is what is driving this show. And none of that mystery would exist. None of that stuff that makes the show compelling would exist if you had no background about those characters from the movies. So... I, I think it's interesting that Marvel is starting to do with their TV shows what they do with the comics, which is make stuff that is purely meant as a follow-up for people who are really heavily invested in their movies, in their movie universe. And, I, I mean, for me, I, I think it's pretty cool because I've seen all the movies and I know what happened in them pretty well. So, like, when something happens in the TV show that follows up on something from the movie, I notice it right away. And I think it's really cool and interesting. And it's just interesting to me to see this, that type of storytelling start to creep in to the TV shows. Things are going more and more towards that, like comic book style of storytelling. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. Like I really am excited about watching WandaVision. One because I I don't know exactly what the the TV show is is portraying. I don't know if it like how directly it draws from the comics, but like I I really liked House of M and all that stuff. Wanda going crazy and all that. And like I I think this is probably related to that. But I, I love the, you know, being able to dig in deeper to the, the characters and not just, like, always start from the surface level with everything. Like, that gets, you know, gets boring when you're familiar with stuff. One of the things I think that's interesting about this show, too, is I've seen a lot of people say that they've watched it with people who, you know, they're they're not comic book people or, you know, they haven't watched all the movies or whatever. And, like, there are people that ha- have watched this show as a standalone on its own and have enjoyed it. So I think it's, um, you know, it's easy to get caught up in what we're used to things being and be like, well, this doesn't make sense on its own. But, you know, if somebody's just going in, you know, totally raw and not, you know, not with all this like built up preconceptions about what comic book movies or shows or anything should be, you know, maybe for somebody with a fresh, fresh perspective can actually see this better than than we can in some ways. Hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm really interested to see, you know, what the show is. I've heard good things about it. I've heard people complain about it too, of course. Um, well, the complaints were weird in that. I think the complaints seem to die down after the like fourth or fifth episode, I think, because I think the complaints was what the heck? Like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be, but it's like, yeah. no, it's exactly what you thought it was going to be. It just takes a couple episodes to get there. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I was going to say. Is it's you know, 
people have no patience. Like stories are the best when you have to have patience and you have to let them build and you don't know exactly what's going on. And people want the best stories, but then they also don't have any patience. Like we've definitely like societally trained ourselves to have no patience for anything. Everything has to be immediate gratuity. My kid watches YouTube videos because like the entertainment is not anything you have to wait for. It's immediate. Having to wait for it more is better. It's more rewarding for him. Like if he watches YouTube videos all day, he's like grumpy and whiny and irritable later on in the day. If he watches TV shows or movies or stuff like that, he's not because your your mind is functioning totally differently. And like when you are being, you know, giving yourself that like gratuitous, just here's what you want without any effort, it doesn't really work you, you know, it's like eating candy or never exercising, you know, it's like getting out and exercising. You feel better afterwards, even though you had to put in energy uh, and put in effort stories are just like that too like you got to put in effort you have to like not know what's going on you have to be confused you have to you know let the characters for a character to be good like there has to be growth there and that's true with uh with anything and like i'm really excited for this series to see that because i know that i like i know enough about these characters to know that what makes these characters really good is is just that like those pieces that most people would be bored and impatient with so, like, for me, almost hearing people complain about the, the show and the way they complain about it just reinforced that I was going to like it because it's going to be exactly what I want because it's exactly what people who don't want to put in effort and want to immediately go online and complain about everything, you know, don't want. I didn't understand the complaints because I thought that what it was doing in the first few episodes before it kind of opens up into the bigger view of what it is was really, really cool. And, and really interesting. I didn't understand the complaints at all because I thought it was really good and interesting from the start, even before it kind of starts to develop more. Yeah. I mean, this is why I keep on saying to everybody, like, just block block people who complain. The people who complain are also the people who post spoilers and the people who just want to complain and be negative about everything. Like, if you block those people, you end up avoiding both things. And, like, I, I've seen zero spoilers. I keep on seeing people that I know tweet about ah these jerks posting their spoilers i've seen zero spoilers because i've already blocked the jerks that uh that i would have exposure to so i don't, I don't know anything mm-hmm. and all it took was literally just blocking people who deserve to be blocked and not interacting with people who who just you know want to be on there complaining about stuff people complain about the story not being what they want it to be like going to the story to experience what story was made and if you don't like it fine but it's not like every story is not made to be the story you want it to be. It's no different than people complaining like this story is about a woman. What the hell? <laughs> it's like, okay, not every story has to be about a man because you're a man. It's ridiculous that people actually complain about that stuff. It's like people complain about that. Captain Marvel. Well, now this movie's garbage because it's about a, a, a you know female character. Why is Marvel trying to make these female characters so? That's so stupid. I Come know, on. Yeah, yeah. And that's, people get caught up complaining about that stuff. Well, that's that's basically, I mean, that, that sort of thing, I just ignore. That's like not even worth paying attention to for me because that's just like, at that point, some people are just being trolls, right? That's just, yeah. that's just pure troll. There's no real criticism to that. It's pure just trolling. Like, it's yeah. just pure, a thing exists 
that I want to complain about. So I want, I'm going to complain about it. It's there's no, I, I mean, I've got, I've got complaints about the show in that I don't think it's that great of a show, to be honest, in terms of it really developing and doing something really, really good. Uh, like as a, just a pure standalone storytelling, here's what it says about these people and here's what they're going through. I don't think it's that great. I think it's an interesting show, but I don't think it's the best thing that Marvel's ever made by uh, a long shot. You know, I just think that it, it kind of could have, it's, it seems more like it interested in plot than it is in telling a really solid story. Um, mm. so that's kind of one of my complaints that I think the plot is pretty interesting and compelling. So there's that, you know, it's very interesting to watch, but it's not like the most amazing show. It's not like something like the first captain America movie, which I, I still think is one of the best movies ever because what Steve Rogers goes through is just amazing. I think that's one of the best superhero movies and, and really, really compelling. So you know, it's it's cool, but I've got, I think, what are some legitimate observations about it, but I'm also not complaining too much about it. It's fine. Like, that that stuff is, is fine. It's the people that just want to get on and complain, which what I just said about people being like, why is this about a woman? That's, like, pretty obviously just somebody being a dick, and that's not worth it. But a lot of the other ways people complain, like, you, you're your reservations about it aren't those types of complaints. The people that are like, this isn't what I thought it, this isn't what I wanted it to be. So it's bad. That's, that's the same level of complaining as the, this is about a woman. So it's bad. That That's the stuff that I just like, when I see that, like it almost tells me that I'm probably going to like this even more because <laughs> sure. it's about something that's different. It's not about the, you know, I want this story to be about a, you know, a middle-aged white man that is powerful and has uh, no problems with anybody because I want it to be like what I think the perfect world should be. And I want to see myself. Captain in awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this isn't Captain Awesome. So. Yeah, it's like, no, nah, <laughs> yeah. man, I, I want to see the stories about people that are different from me. And I want to see like them have good things. And, and so when people, you know, you get that general, you know, troll vibe of this isn't exactly what uh, what everybody that I know is like. Well, that probably means it's going to be more interesting to me. So I like that. Yeah, I will say it. Definitely, this show definitely rewards having seen all the other Marvel movies. And I've seen those. <laughs> okay, well, then, then, yeah, then, then you're good because, like, one thing happens that is one of the more amazing things that I've ever seen happen in a TV show. But it's a type of thing that would be lost on somebody that hadn't seen them. Like I was watching it with my wife and I was like, wasn't that amazing? She's like, what? I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> She's like, what? Like, huh? <laughs> and I had to explain this thing to her and she was still kind of like, well, I don't, I know, I don't, I'm not sure I get it. <laughs> you, ha you have to go through experiencing it. You know I mean? In the Mandalorian, when Luke shows up at the end of the series, pretty much everybody knows who Luke is. So like most people, that's not going to go over their heads, but it only really matters much to you if you actually were invested in things before. You know, like, if you were, like, I don't give a damn about Star Wars, and you watch that series because it's the new hot thing, you're like, yeah, this is okay. You get to the end of Luke's there, it's like, oh, yeah, that's a character that, you know, is big in the universe. Okay, cool. Uh-huh. 
But if you love Luke, it's like, oh, Luke, you know, this is amazing. And it is. It's really awesome. Yeah. If you're like me, you, you cry when it happens <laughs> because, yeah. It's, it's the same with anything. If, if you're a sports fan, if you're the type that's like, okay, I'm going to watch my team if they're in the championship. Well, if they win the championship, you're happy, but just kind of happy because your team won. Like, you could not even watch and probably be almost as happy. If you watched every game that year, you're much happier. You were invested in a lot more. Now, if you watched every game every year that they sucked, that championship suddenly means a ton, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it The more you invest in stuff, the more you get out of it. So, like, it's cool that this series is like that, that, you know, it it may, on the surface level, to people who haven't watched anything, like, okay, this may just be okay, but if it has those things that are rewarding the people who have been invested in continuing to build the story, that's how stories should be. You know, everything shouldn't be, like, I hate the notion of, like, you gotta treat every comic like it's somebody's first. That That's why you're so resistant to the intros <laughs> I, to these episodes? <laughs> I I just never remember to do them. Um, <laughs> I, I've seen the same Spider-Man movie over and over, because every time they restart spider-man they tell the same damn story again and it's a really solid story but i've seen it too much you know the only time that they didn't is with this last one with is it tom holland is the the actor portraying spider-man now yeah they finally they were just like look you you know the whole thing with uncle yeah. ben and great power great responsibility let's just jump into him being spider-man exactly and it was about time they did that because you know what every spider-man movie doesn't need to be somebody's first <laughs> Every comic book doesn't... I don't want to read the same story over and over because it might be somebody's first story. That person can figure out what the hell is going on or they can go buy the first freaking story and read it if they want to. I don't need everything to be that. That's that's pandering to only the surface level people. That's like... You know, I always relate storytelling to wrestling because it's really easy because wrestling is not... Isn't always trying for, like, the depth of stuff, you know? WWE treats everything like that surface level thing. Like... The, the top guys stay on top because they're going to resonate with the people who have never watched anything before, which is going to be a wider audience of stuff. They're going to resonate more with kids that don't have that depth of growing stuff. But damn, does that get old, you know? Hmm. Uh, I, I just watched the most recent pay-per-view with my cousin, uh, who's a huge wrestling fan, and they had this big elimination chamber match for the championship. Everybody in the match, except the guy who was champion, uh, was 40 plus years old and had been in WWE for over a decade and had, I think, pretty much all been the champion before. The guy who is currently champion uh, was 35 and had been around WWF uh, off and on for quite a long time. And, like, he was the one that's kind of more exciting and interesting and new because, like, he's just recently been pushed up to the top. But he's literally in a match with five other people who have been there forever so you're watching the match and it's like i don't care like i want the champion to retain because everybody else it's like i've been there done that none of this is exciting that's the the problem when everything has to be somebody's first you never progress to other things so wandavision isn't trying to be everybody's first show it sounds like yeah definitely not definitely not well i i think that there's a difference though between being somebody's first and telling the origin I think that with Spider-Man, you just don't need to tell the story about how he becomes Spider-Man to make yeah. it a good Spider-Man story. I think that's an exaggeration of the being somebody's first thing. Like, that's such an easy story to tell because it's good. You know? Yeah. Batman's original story is good. 
but everybody yeah. should know it. But you know, making it everybody's first means that uh, like every every news story is reiterating what Spider Man can do. And well, I think that they do that though in in the movies. They they explain who spider-man is and what he can do but i think they do it in clever ways where you don't really notice like here is who spider-man is like oh he's discovering his powers and oh he found his suit and he's deciding to fight crime you know it's like i think there's shorthand ways where you can explain all that and i think people know enough about spider-man in general that they don't need to be spoon-fed it and yeah like i think they did a really good job with it with the tom holland ones the ones before that which weren't done by m you know disney marvel whatever um like for all the criticism people have about like the mcu and all the disney you know made marvel stuff they've done a better job than most marvel movie and not not saying that other marvel movies aren't good but like they've done a really good job of it i understand everybody having like the resistance to the like kind of monopoly aspect of something but they've done a really good job with everything uh even if it's not your favorite thing like they they all weren't that good and like, I mean, you know, t- talking about Spider-Man's origins, like you have the origin, which we've, you know, beaten to death now. But what about like his relationship with Mary Jane? That's over explained so often, like people understand how relationships work. You don't need to exaggerate and like build it up. You know, look at the newer movies where uh so in the newer movies, it's still it's Mary Jane, right? Or is it um like his, his romantic interest? But yeah, she's very MJ. different than the, the mm-hmm. typical MJ character. Um, you know, she's not a, a white redhead. She's, you know, a different ethnicity and like, but they don't, they don't have to explain it all. Right. It's just that this, here's a girl that he likes. She's MJ. Okay. Now anybody who knows anything about Spider-Man knows who MJ is and everybody knows what it's like to have, you know, an interest in somebody. So you don't need to like explain that. That's what they've done. They've done in prior movies. It's like, I, you don't need to explain, like, you know, okay, this boy likes this girl. We all know what it is, what that is, you know? Yeah, uh-huh. So progress from there. And they did a much, much better job in these newer movies than they did in all the old ones, where here's this icon rather than just a here's this boy-girl relationship. Yeah. That's what. Mm-hmm. That's also, that's what makes Spider-Man great is how, how real and relatable he is. And they, like, they managed to muddle that by making it something bigger than it is. This is a huge tangent from WandaVision, though. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's cool. Anyway, WandaVision, I think you'll like it when you get to it. Yeah. I, so once again, I, I don't exactly know what the story is, but one, like why I'm excited about it and why I actually I really like Scarlet Witch as a character is House of M is about she goes crazy because she had kids or thought she had kids or kids aren't real. Her kids, like, I don't even remember exactly what the story was, but it, it, however it actually functioned doesn't matter as much as the, that just massive sense of loss. Right. Yeah. Like she goes crazy because she thought she had a family and then she didn't. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Basically. I think so. Yeah. Like that's something that's relatable. That's something like that is such a huge emotion. Like I've obviously never lost my son. You know, he's still here, but I can definitely relate to like how deep of an emotion that would be because it would it would like crush and destroy me. And Mm -hmm. it makes it a lot more relatable when, you know, whatever happens and then she, you know, does the it's been so long since I've read that, but she does the no more mutants thing. Like it doesn't seem like an irrational thing to do, although she destroys 
millions of lives doing it because she has this like ridiculous power. So like, yeah, that's where this story is really compelling is it's like, it's such a basic human thing. And then they take it and do something, you know, amazing with it. Uh, as far as storytelling goes and they don't have to like, they don't have to tell you why this emotion of losing your children is so massive because it just is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's good. That's like, that's what makes the storytelling so good. They're not, they're not telling you why you should feel a way. They're telling the story because she felt that way. Well, yeah, I think uh, what you're saying is all things that are going to make you like this show. Yeah. When you get to it, because it all is very similar, uh, similar type of storytelling basis is what is going on in this show. Awesome. Good. Yeah. So it is what I want it to be. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to watch the show and then go on tweet, tweet uh, you know, this show is exactly what I wanted it to be. Everybody yeah. else is screaming, why is this show what I want it to be? Well, what's weird is that to me, I mean, it seems it seems like it's exactly what <laughs> it looked like it was going to be from <laughs> from the uh, from all the advertisements. So I, I'm a, a little bit surprised, to be honest. Yeah, that there was backlash. But again, I think it's it's um, a lot of people kind of um, just reacting to the first couple episodes before looking at more. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that we've been kind of talking about an hour. Maybe it's time to wrap this guy up. It probably is. Let's do our introductions now. <laughs> okay, hey, I am Sean. <laughs> I am Paul. And you've been listening to us talk, if that wasn't obvious. <laughs> I hope they've been listening. If they're still here and they haven't been listening, then uh, they should probably use their time better. Uh, well, hey, you know, if people want to tune us out, that's fine with me. If Maybe we can... we're just helping them fall asleep with our you know, exactly. Nice I feel sorry voices. for people that put use us to put them to sleep. Yeah. I feel sorry for us if people put us on and they fall asleep. So <laughs> that's just no. If good you for do any that, of us. just remember not to listen to us while driving. That's unsafe. Yes. Uh huh. And uh, please don't let us know that our show puts you to sleep. That's um, one of those. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Type of things. <laughs> I would take it as a compliment. A nice okay. night's sleep is very important. If we can help, I don't care how we help people as long as we help people. Okay, that's a very that's a very nice way to think about it. I like that. All right. Well, if we do put you to sleep, then that's just great. Enjoy your rest. Have a good nap. Boom, wake up. All right. So, uh, all right. So, if you want to talk to us like on Twitter or something, that's probably the best way. I'm at Bad Deacon and Paul here is at Who's Paul. You can find other episodes wherever you found this one, whether that was the Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or whatever it is that you use. Go and listen to more and uh, subscribe to always get the latest because you never know when episodes are going to come out with my haphazard editing schedule. So until next time, Paul. Goodbye. Goodbye.